What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. If this is your, uh, if you're a returning listener, thank you guys so, so much. If you're new, welcome to the Real Estate Virgins podcast. We are here to help elevate your business in 2023 and beyond. We, as John likes to say, we are boots on the ground. We're putting the work in and we're here to share what works, what doesn't, um, things to try, stories of success and failure. You get it all here, baby. And I'm your host, Jordan Brown. And John, welcome, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good, man. Just feeling good. It's uh, We got to enjoy the first non-100 degree day oh a couple God. days ago. It was very nice. You're right. Nice change of pace. Yes. We've got a, a, a big hitter. We uh, do. Heavy hey, hitter today. Hey, we always try to tell you guys when there's a, a podcast that you want to bookmark, and it's going to be this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, John and I have talked about relational, relational business growing, uh, and we've always talked about like there's certain things that we don't do a lot of and we're so happy to have the prospect king himself the prospect king that is like the perfect definition of him Polly king cold call king cold call, baby cold call king. if you are looking to get into farming and and getting an immediate impact and like if you have not a lot going on in your business what better way than to listen to this guy who has perfected it who thrives in this environment we're so happy to have you. Thank you for joining us. Polly Campanero, welcome, buddy. Awesome. Cool. Thank you, guys. I'm so uh, happy to be here today. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, welcome welcome to the podcast. The whole premise is we like to share stories of success for, for newer agents who are tuning in. Some people are just worried, where is that first deal going to come from? Yeah. And what we love is that all the guests that we have on bring something of value, something that's different. Um, and you're you're a niche that we haven't tapped into yet. Okay. Which you're is cold right. calling. So I'm a virgin in the. <laughs> yes. yes, sir. I'm yeah. a virgin guest. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So right. uh, and you always remember your first, everyone. Yeah. So. Yeah. Good. So I'll make sure to leave an impact. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Love it. So yeah. tell tell us. Actually, you... before we start, I wanted to say. Uh, so Paulie, Paul Campanero was one of my first teachers in real estate. Yeah. He, uh, so back, this was six, seven years ago. It's when you were a real estate virgin back I, in the day. Literally. I know. I, you, you were fresh off the lot when I brought you in. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. And I was so nervous. Like I didn't know how to talk to people. <laughs> I didn't have any confidence. I was like, literally. You're a mess. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Honestly, mess. you were terrible. <laughs> no, <It's>, I was. <laughs> we, we all are when we first start. Right. I mean, really. Oh, man. And it just, I had so much anxiety when we used to role play. Like, mm-hmm. you used to, like, throw me a ball or something, and I'd have to catch it and talk to you or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and that was, like, I would just, uh, I would just, uh, I don't know, tense up. But I know. forgot the ball. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, good. Yeah. That was good. How great was it, though, to do something that made you uncomfortable? Mm-hmm. And, and kind yeah. of force you to participate in yeah. something that you didn't think you could be good at. For you, sure. You know what's funny, though, is that it's it's uh, interesting to hear you say that because I remember when you came and you would come regularly in the morning. And it didn't. I, I knew that everyone, when they first start in the business, has insecurities and doubts and fears. And, and that's part of the training that I did is that, look, we're in real estate. Real estate's about relationships. And the conversation is the relationship. And so I have to be good at talking to people. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. One of the agents at, at uh, the company we used to be at used to say, I get paid to socialize. Right. And, and yet we're all kind of awkward in that. Like, how do I start a conversation? And I didn't detect a lot of that from you. For you so for you to say, man, I was really uncomfortable with it. But yet you kept coming back and uh, really tried to focus on, like, all right, how, how do I better engage people um, was a testament to, you know, you really 
launching and transcending your business. And that, that was one of the first hurdle, really. Yeah. Right? And the thing is, is we actually, a lot of, we say this a lot to our listeners, is that conversations and the quality of your questions uh, really equals yeah. your results. And that's directly <coughs> from Polly C. That's, yeah. de- that's straight from him. Uh, yeah. 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 And cool, so, man. Thank you. And, and we always tell people that. Um, yeah. But yeah, so let's get into it. Yeah, I'd love to know, like, listeners like to know a little bit about your background. Mm-hmm. Tell us, like, pre, you know, who was Polly before real estate? What, what was the path getting into it? What did that journey look like for you? Yeah, so originally I'm from Rochester, New York, which is uh, the Buffalo, Niagara Falls region. Because uh, as soon as you say New York, people just, you know, they think New York City, which I did live in New York City. And I, I went to Albany State and I lived in New York City. And But uh, Rochester is like a Cleveland, Pittsburgh kind of city, like blue collar, mm-hmm. you know, salt of the earth people. And uh, I went to, uh, I grew up there, uh, went to Albany State and then transferred to University of Nevada, Las Vegas. So I, I ended up in Las Vegas going to school. And That's quite a change. Yeah, big change. Big, I mean humongous change east coast to west coast humongous change vegas is its own universe Mm -hmm. so having to deal with that whole west coast vibe coming from the you know i I grew up stereotypical italian kid from new york right Mm. like and uh uh so it was a it was a huge social and cultural uh shift Mm. and and understanding how people interacted with each other right because they just people just interacted very very differently so that was a, a shock and then um, I got involved with real estate when I was waiting tables uh, on the strip. I worked in fine dining gourmet restaurants, so wow. super high-end restaurants. And the average uh, check was like 110 or $120 oh, wow. a, a person. Mm. And so uh, famous celebrities, uh, ultra-rich. You know, one time we had a table of uh, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett at the same table together. Whoa, wow. Just them two. Just them two having dinner. And in Vegas, you know, people are running around and – and, and guys are like all these beautiful people, right? But uh, there wasn't more googly eyes than that table. <laughs> people oh, going, oh my gosh, these I two know. guys. You know how much that table's worth? I know. So, so even just the influence of that table yeah. is like, like on like everything, the economy on, on yeah. like that's, that's a powerful table. Wow. Powerful table, yeah. right? And, and so that's what Vegas gave me. It, it, um, it gave me a fire hose to the face on just how big the world is and how much money is out there and how differently people are interacting with each other in, in, in different ways. And mm-hmm. so that opened me up and, and possibility and opportunity in Vegas back in the early 2000s was going through its third boom. Um, Bellagio and Paris and Mandalay Bay were all just opening up. So Vegas was going through this huge boom. Mm-hmm. And so coming from the, the East Coast where everything's old, you know, and there's not cranes running, you know, everywhere in, on the skyline. Uh, it was um, it was eye opening to see the opportunity, and so that's what attracted me to real estate is is going wow, this is something special. Even though uh, it was special that I was working in gourmet restaurants making a hundred thousand dollars a year, mm-hmm. that's really kind of stupid, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, your waiting tables making that kind of money it was really ridiculous. Both Jordan and I waited tables, and we definitely didn't make a hundred thousand dollars yeah, a year. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I felt good when I made like seven hundred bucks a week. I was like, right. dang, this is sick. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we were making you know three four hundred dollars a night. Wow. Yeah, and um, waiting on famous people mm-hmm. and the uber rich. It was it was pretty cool. You know, it was yeah. a very cool uh, experience. But uh, ultimately, you get to a point in your life where you know you need to grow. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I needed to grow. Mm-hmm. And so I got involved with real estate and started doing real estate. And um, was there someone that was like, "Hey, you should try real estate"? Or what? No, it? no. It was like I need a way out because mm-hmm. I was I saw waiters in their you know forties and fifties, and now I'm forty eight now, right? And I'm like. 
no way. Can't even like, imagine I'm not being doing there. that. Like, yeah. not going to be a 50 or 60 year old waiter. Which, you know, in all in all respectability, though, you can do that in Las Vegas and and have a uh, be in the union culinary union and have an amazing life. Mm-hmm. You know, make 75 or 100 thousand dollars a year. The insurance is amazing, fantastic insurance. You got some sort of retirement plan, like. It's a pretty. It's a could be a there's pretty good life. Oh, there's there are worse way setups. worse setups. Oh, yeah, you know, sure. like there's a lot of people coming uh, to the United States and taking advantage of that scenario and living the American dream. So there's no knock on it. It's just I wanted. Bi- I wanted more. Yeah. And so, not having graduated college, uh, there were limited options in regards to what I could go for. And you could see right in front of you, there were people in the early 2000s who were wait- who were waiting tables and bartending, making a hundred grand a year, and then making a hundred grand on the side just because things were moving so fast. And so aggressively, a lot like what we saw here, mm-hmm. uh, but a little bit different in regards to the number of new homes being built, like just ridiculously fast. So there was more new builds over there. More new builds. It really? was oh yeah, way more. Okay. Way. I mean, you saw communities being popped up right in front of you. Like you see some of that here, uh-huh. but imagine that 10x. Like everywhere, you see new neighborhoods just popping wow. up everywhere. Uh-huh. And so um, they probably knew it was going to be something huge, like this big influx of the buildings and and all these new attractions. Like, yeah. People are going to want to be here. Yeah. So there's an agent that actually was a guest on our podcast. He sold 114 homes his second year in real estate, mm-hmm. and it was mostly new builds. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. I could see that. I like, could see that. I don't know how he did it, but he – I mean, he, he shares it on that episode. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty insane. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so there was just a, a ton of opportunity going yeah. on. It realized that, okay, I need to get out of this. The thing, though, is that – I was uh, I got licensed in all three. There was probably a five year stint where I was kind of just messing around a little bit. I invested in real estate, and so I was making money in real estate, but I really wasn't a dedicated realtor. Mm-hmm. And so, finally, uh, I uh, my luck ran out, and I got fired from the Win actually hotel. I was working at SW Steakhouse, which is like a really premier restaurant. Yeah. Long story short, I, I, I you know I didn't like my boss. I tried to get him in trouble. He got me in trouble. And then <laughs> I was invited to no longer work at the uh, Wynn Hotel in, uh, in Las Vegas, Nevada. But that was the, okay, I know I'm done. And I realized that I'm not going to go back. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I went to a Mike Ferry uh, organization uh, uh, retreat. And uh, I showed up. I listened to this guy talk for two days. And I'm like, okay, I know what it takes now. Mm-hmm. Talk to people. This is about talking to people. Mm-hmm. The problem was it was uh, November 2007, and I decided to go full-time January 2008. So you remember in the, tra- uh. in the presidential transition from Bush to Obama, people were freaking out. Like, the economy's going to crash. Mm-hmm. This is bad. And so I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go do real estate now. And my wife's like, no, no, this is not a good idea. All my friends are like, dude, bad idea. Like, you, this, is, this is a bad timing. You know, you get to a point sometimes and you're broken and you're like, no more. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where I was at. I'm like, no more. The Las Vegas life was super duper fast. All the vices you can think of, gambling, drugs, uh, addictions, you know, just everything, man. It's, it's, it's a fast life. And if you don't have your head on straight, it can turn you quick. And if you have your head on straight, even then it can be very dangerous. Mm. And uh, it was compromising a lot of my morals and my ethics. And and I realized that I needed to move on. Mm. And so I'm like, I'm doing it. I'm going to go real estate full time. January 2008, uh, I hired a coach. I paid $1,000 a month for 30-minute conversations once a week. (laughs) And I didn't have the money. I, I put it on a credit card. And uh, my wife wasn't happy about that, right? But I looked at it like student debt. I'm like, okay, look, 
um, I see the path. I see the production. I see people doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All I have to do is one plus one should equal two. Okay. I got to know the game. How long is this going to take? You know, I, 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 I gambled a little bit because I maybe had two months worth of bills. And, you know, you start fresh, two months worth of bills, that's a, that's, that's a huge gamble. That's and an I, uncomfortable spot That's to be not in. a comfortable spot to be in, talk, talking about being uncomfortable earlier, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I had a, a six-year-old and a three-year-old, and so the pressure was on accountability. Like, I come home every night, like, there's two little kids, and they need to eat. Mm-hmm. So, like, pressure was on, right, to perform. And yet I was done, so I'm like, okay, I'm doing this. And I set up a bunker in my house, and luckily I had a little casita that was separate from the house so I could – be as loud as I needed to be. And, and I got out there and I prospected every morning, man. And, and I prospected four or five, six hours a day. Wow. Now, remember, the economy's crashing, crashing yeah. right? In route to crash. 08 January was like, okay, we're, we're, in, we're in big trouble. And so, so I knew that this, okay, this is going to be bad. We weren't sure how bad it was going to be, but we knew it was going to be bad. So first year I did 14 transactions. Uh, which was like doing 30 transactions because the economy it was just yeah. so quickly going down. And it actually, 08 and 09 were like this, and then 09 and 10 were like that, just straight down, right? Um, so first year, 14 transactions. Second year, uh, 26 transactions. And then um, 52 transactions my third year. And then my fourth year, I did 129. Amazing. Yeah, I took 169 listings in basically like nine months. Because what happened was, is I, I, I got, um, you know, 26 and then 52. And uh, I did 52 transactions. I'm like, I think I'm going to quit. And my wife's like, why? Because I'm not making money, really. The, the average price point in Vegas had gotten down to low 100s plus they were uh, 90% of the business in Vegas was REOs, uh, foreclosures, or short sales. Wow. And they were only paying 2% commissions. Wow. And they took six months to close. <laughs> so I'm like talking to these guys at these conventions who are like, man, you did 50 transactions. That's freaking awesome. You rock. Yeah, but dude, I got no money in the bank. Like, I mean, I'm paying bills, right? But yeah. not making much money at all. And I'm like... That's a lot of work for not a lot in return. And so... Was your coach the one that said to get you into prospecting? Yeah. Well, so the, so to, the origins of the cold call king really are the fact that um, Mike Ferry was very cold call oriented in regards to coaching people to do that. He was still, hey, look, you got to talk to people. Yes, you need a database. Yes, you need to work your database. Yes, that's that's the best business. But uh, you know, uh, you know, Gary Keller talks about this on being on growing your business um, organically versus. Um, uh, having organic growth versus disruptive growth and organic growth, you know, happens like this and it's nice and steady and you can have it and you can do that. Um, but I needed disruptive growth with two months of uh, bills in the bank and, and two little kids. Yeah. Right. So that wasn't going to work for me. I had to like make this happen faster. And the only way to do that was to create more conversations. Now I'm not from Vegas, so I already am at a disadvantage mm-hmm. where I don't have a, a database yeah. and then, and, and the market, the economy's crashing. And so, okay, double whammy now. And what am I going to do? Well, you know, one of the things I love about real estate is it tests who you are as a human being. Mm-hmm. You know, one of, the, one of the guys on my team just recently told me that uh, it was Kiyosaki said that uh, the, 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 uh, the uh, journey to wealth is a spiritual one. Something along the lines of that, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, yeah, man, that's freaking true. It makes that's sense. totally true. Who are you really when you show up? Are you desperate and salesy and pushy? Or are you coming from contribution and are you uh, seeking to understand and asking really good questions? 
And so um, I knew that I didn't want to be the sleazy salesperson, but I also knew that I was going to have to prospect my face off to like survive. And so uh, I did Mike Ferry coaching for, for those first several years. And that was, all right, go out there and hustle and create the conversation. And, and his foundational stuff for creating conversations and uh, creating a duplicatable process to like talk to people and create results is the best out there. You know, it's just, it gets a lot of flack because people just associate cold calling with being salesy. Mm -hmm. And the matter of the fact is most people who try to like cold call or prospect um, or uh, create or intentionally create a result, you could be at an open house and, and, and be experiencing an agent who's salesy, mm -hmm. right? That could totally, that, that happens, right? right? Or, or, or an internet lead, mm -hmm. right? Somebody's paying for internet leads and then they're just smashing them over the head, like trying to get them to do things. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and it's because of people don't understand the dynamics and actually the science, which is what I, which, which is what I really work on. And you experienced at yeah, power you, hour. You've taught a lot about the science, the of science of the conversation, yeah. you know, and at some point I'm going to do something with that. I'm getting the book copyrighted. I have a little playbook. You literally wrote the book, literally wrote the book <laughs> on like breaking down all of these things that people train on, on mm -hmm. how do I have better conversations? There's not a lot of, 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 uh, of um of breakdown of the strategy of like okay how is that happening and like mm -hmm. what's happening there which is why people like so much on the internet like live cold calls like i have a lot i've um uh videos that do live cold calls and they get like hundreds of thousands of views where can they find those right real sales talk a real sales talk uh youtube channel okay and uh there's a lot of videos there and those are the ones that are most watched because people are trying to understand like what's happening here how is that happening but still even then and i do some videos on that where i break down other people cold calling mm -hmm. is like okay let's let's slow this down here and kind of look what's happening because i think people are just uh, intimidated that the fact that they're uh, trying to talk to somebody who initially is not going to be comfortable talking to them mm -hmm. and yet um it's my job to be able to get to know people and find out and 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 not and i train on this with, on, with my team quite a bit is our job is not to try to get people to do things our job is to find out who they are and to see out to see if there's something that we can do to help them yeah. right we don't want to make people do things we just want to find out is there people that we can help and then through a series of intentional and strategic questions uh help them get to the decision where it's hey you know what next best step is probably to just talk a little bit more about this mm -hmm. yeah so what, are you more on the quantity side or the quality of conversation side i mean quantity uh quality for sure okay. quality for sure i think at first though like with the guys on my team mm -hmm. is is uh everybody sucks at first mm -hmm. talking to people. So you got to put in those reps. Yeah. I love this. People are like, Oh, I'm, I'm better at talking to people in person. Yeah. It's called being human, <laughs> right? Like, okay, I hope you're better at talking to people. You get the benefit of reading in people's person. faces and like hearing the like nuances and like their body language right. and things like that. You should be better at that. You should be better yeah. at that. And people don't, know or understand like well what's actually happening in that yeah you're getting uh you're getting facial and body cues mm -hmm. you, tonality and you're you'll be able to understand uh you, there's a lot more communication going on versus you're blindfolded and all you can hear is that little voice and then uh what's happening yeah and what's happening in my mind what's happening in their mind and that's what we break down with real sales talk is is uh, understanding the dynamics of creating good conversations because I, I get, and I, I got it at KW when I first got to K, K, KW, you know, even people who, in leadership, they didn't really understand what I was doing. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, he's the cold call guy. Hey, cool. That's a little, you know, 
little unique thing to be recognized as because not many people are good at that and not a lot of people are afraid of that. But really, I'm like, I'm the conversation guy. You were really diving deep on the psychology of conversation too. Psychology. Yeah, because you were... I mean, you always used to say, you know, lead with comp- contribution and we always say lead with value, right? And then trying to fi- ask the correct question to get to the the correct result. And that was yeah. one really good thing that you <coughs> so, talked about. I mean, last episode was a, a pretty deep dive into like the the mental health aspect of of real estate and like the highs and lows and one of the one of the great things that came up from that was a lot of new agents fear rejection. That's why they don't try something. Yeah. And so if you can get over the fact, this is a failure business. Yeah. You have to fail things to get better at things yeah. and be good at them again. Yeah. You know? So, and in, in like you said, when you first cold call, I remember cold calling for, I worked at AT&T for a long time. And every Tuesday, it was two hours long, had to go to one central location. We would all just hit the, hit the numbers and mm. cold call businesses looking for stuff. Mm. And there were people who were great at it. And there were people who like didn't want to do it because they were uncomfortable with like the pro- possibility of not getting a yes. Mm. And it's like you have to get over not getting a yes because not everyone is going to be an immediate success story. It's but the it's a numbers game. The yep. more people you call, the more conversations you have, the better you're going to get at it, and the better you're going to get at uncovering those opportunities. <clears throat> yeah, that's the technicality of it. You know, the thing is, is that um, no one's there to really help them understand like who are they? Like, who are you? Like, what is your identity? Right. Mm-hmm. In, um, James clear book, um, atomic habits. Great right. Book. Right. Uh, he taught really the premise of that book is like, who are you? Mm. Who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. Because when you have clarity with your identity, then the game changes. Mm. Right. Right. As, it doesn't as, matter if they reject right? you. Yeah. And as believers, right. Like, yeah, you know, I can speak to you like mm-hmm. this, right. Like is that as believers, like when you have, when you have solidarity, and confidence in your identity, dude, game over, mm. game over. I don't really care what you say. I know who I am. Ooh. And it's not, it's not an arrogance in your, in your, in your identity, right? Like, well, I don't care. Like, I don't care about you, you know? Cause I had to clear that up. Cause I had that New Yorker in me where I'm like, screw you. Right. I'm not going to swear in this podcast. Cause I <laughs> promised myself I'd, I'd swear less. Uh, I swear like a truck driver. No, yeah, but your your confidence in your identity for sure. Attaching your confidence within your identity. Right. uh, Does it? Yeah. Yeah. It's just because what happens with people that are having that natural fear is that no one, no one really gave them clarity on their identity. And and either in life, most of us, a lot of us, we don't get a lot of direction on that. And then, and then we will go into the, into the professional world and like, we're just wandering around, like wondering uh, and looking for, what people are telling us mm-hmm. our identity is so and they true. walk in they experience well well that's salesy and you know that feels salesy and i felt salesy in that situation versus hold up if you're um if you come from contribution and you come from wanting to serve and to understand and to and and you know that especially in our industry what we do is a necessity it's like it's one of the top three or four right mm-hmm. food shelter water Mm-hmm. Uh, like shelter okay yeah need shelter <laughs> like we're up there right they're not selling vacuum cleaners right like this is a big deal yeah so so if i can have an integrity in that and know that look i'm not trying to make people do things that we we have this um this mantra in our office all the time is like get to know the people get to know the people what's our job get to know the people what's our job get to know the people mm. because it's not about the result 
It's about who you are and getting to understand them. And then, and then that salesy stuff just goes away mm -hmm. and it's really good questions to understand. And, and when you get that kickback of like anger or frustration or whatever's happening on their side based off of in the moment, their kids yelling or, 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 uh, in their mind. This is like the eighth realtor that's called like, yeah. yeah. Or, or, uh, mom taught me that salespeople are slimy, whatever it is, right. That's the resistance then, then you can, you identify that and you know who you are in that moment. And then, and then it's just, okay, let me, let me just, let's talk about this a little bit more. Let me ask another question or let me kind of switch gears here on to help this feel more comfortable because all I'm trying to do is understand you. And if I can understand you and it can be a good conversation, then the rest will just take care of itself. You don't have to worry about a tricky close. Yeah. John had a, a quote and I, I, you'll have to correct it for me, but it was something about not being attached to the result but to your intention of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so same thing. We talk about <clears throat> authenticity a lot. Mm -hmm. I think people, especially over the phone can tell what you're calling to, to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And if you'd give off the wrong yeah. vibe that I'm calling to try to close yeah. you on a sale, I, I'm probably going to treat you like 99% of other salespeople yeah. who call me. Yeah. I'm going to shut you out, not listen to anything you have to say, or I'm going to hang up on you. Right. Mm -hmm. And when you can break down those barriers, that's where the opportunity is. Yeah. Well, what happens is that um, people don't have the identity, right? And so they're trying to fit, and so they sound salesy, right? And uh, uh, I may have said this in Power Hour before because I, I did Power. So Power Hour was uh, like a training I did every morning, 8 a.m., Monday through Friday for like four years. Like that really, I'll tell you, that really uh, solidified my skill set going back into productivity that I'll, I'll tell you about in a little bet, bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When I came in, I was just mowing people down. Were like, you? You probably don't realize how many agents you've actually massively positively impacted through yeah. those power hours. I know it's it was definitely a grind for you because you know you're waking up, you're doing. The, I wanted to though. I wanted oh, to. Really? You I did. wanted to. Okay. That empowers me, man. Like I love the watch. Um, helping people understand this. Uh, it's like it's like being a Jedi, right? Remember, like these are not the droids you're looking for, right? <laughs> like it's kind of like that a little bit. Yeah. Like a little bit is yeah. like. I just chill out. We're just talking. And yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. I'll chill out. We're just talking. And, uh, and because, um, to rewind on the identity is that if people don't know who they are, then they're, then they're just acting really salesy. But one of the things that we used to say in power hour was, uh, people hear less what you say and more how you feel. How do you feel about that conversation? Because if you feel like, oh, here we go again. Like, I hope they don't yell at me. Like, I, I don't want them to think I'm salesy. For God's sake, man, like that energy is real. Energy is contagious, mm -hmm. right? I've said that a million times uh, in Power Hour is that uh, um, <laughs> they vibe on that. You said it, right? Yeah. Like they vibe it. Energy's real, man, versus like a compassionate person who wants to understand and knows that I'm a salesperson, I'm a stranger, and so it's okay when they get there because I know who they think I am and I'm still going to have a good conversation because I know who I am. And then those conversations are different, right? Mm -hmm. Like people, when I first started, lots of people get this is like people yelling at them and people being mean, dude, that rarely happens to me on the phone anymore. Cause as soon as it, I, I set the tone initially where I'm confident, I'm comfortable. I come from contribution and then the conversation is just better. Yeah. You believe in what you're, what you're doing. And that comes across mm -hmm. in your conversation with this stranger. Yeah. Versus when you call and you're not confident in what your and what your mission for this call is, mm -hmm. you almost default to the only thing you know, which is 
well, my whole point is I'm trying to get a sale here. Right, right. So, so what do you naturally put out? Salesy vibes. Right, right. It's just, it's exactly. the natural course of action. Exactly. So as you're talking, I'm thinking, it's just reminding me of those times that all of those classes that I used to go to of yours, and it just fills me with this immense amount of gratitude because a lot of the stuff that we talk about, you like are the source of where we learned it. Oh, wow. It's And it's crazy because yeah. like, and so then it, brought me back to memories of me purchasing one of my houses and using all of the strategies, <laughs> all of the strategies mm-hmm. to help other people purchase their house. And now I was able to purchase my house yeah. because I use the strategies that you taught That's me. That's awesome. Man. So um very thankful. Cool. Cause like everything you're saying, I'm like, wow, like all of this stuff, not all of it, but a lot of it, I learned from you, mm-hmm. which is pretty crazy. Yeah, that's awesome, <laughs> that's man. That's fantastic. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, Question dude. for you, Polly. Do you have like a, a pre-call ritual that you do? Like, do you have something that psychs you up for a yeah, call? Yeah, it's so funny you mentioned that right now because um, we uh, I sent something to the guys yesterday. I sent them a, 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 a Insta. I forwarded them something because uh, it was um, – uh, I don't follow football. I don't follow sports. You know, I used to be really big into sports. The guy from uh, L.A. Rams, the defensive guy, Donaldson. Aaron Donald. Aaron yeah. Donald. Aaron yeah. Donald. Yeah, I don't know f- f- sports anymore, but I saw him and he was he's a big beefy guy, right? And he's like going back and forth, going back and forth, and he's like he's he's doing affirmations, mm. right? He's like, this is what you're here for. This is your big time. He's like, this is, and he's saying all positive stuff, right? And he's going, and then people are coming up to him, and they're like, all right, good game, other uh, to prepare for the game, right? Like, all right, hey, here we go, guys. But he's he don't stop, right? He's just like, all right, I'm a big timer. This is what you're here for. This is what you're here for. And he's just pumping himself up, right? And I forwarded that to the guys because we talk about a pre-prospecting routine, which you know any um, anybody who does anything well has something, a way for them to prepare, right? Mm -hmm. A pilot has his checklist, right? A doctor has their checklist before they go in, right? Any sports, the sports ones are easy, right? They warm up for the game and they do shots and they play, they do fundamental, uh, the fundamental uh, drills uh, because I I need to put, so Tony Robbins says this, and I'm sure he's like, we all steal stuff from other people is, uh, is he goes, uh, when your psychology matches your physiology, you're unstoppable, right? When you feel how you think, and you think how you feel, dude, identity, right? Mm-hmm. Solidarity with identity, game over. You're powerful. And people feel that power, mm-hmm. right? I've, I've had it a million times, not to toot my horn, but like people are like, man, your energy around it, like your conviction, like you're the guy, huh? Like, yeah, I'm the guy. <laughs> so do it. <laughs> I love that the affirmations like – So sign here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's cool is like Aaron Donald like getting – that's why he's like a, a dominant force is like he he believes that he's believes that it. guy. Believes it. And he is. And there's bigger guys, stronger guys, faster guys, more natural guys, but it's the guys that that get solidarity with their physiology, how how they feel and their body and their mind together and when they when they when they fuse that, then you're like a superhero, man. So, yes, there is stuff that I have um I have uh, prospecting affirmations that we chant. So we role play in the morning and then the guys chant the affirmations and we're beating our chest a little bit. And we don't do that every morning, but we, we do it. And then I have my life affirmations for me, you know, as, uh, as a human being and who I am as a father and who I am as a believer. And, and, uh, and those are important because uh, I just actually started uh, reading my, I don't think I did this with you, but I used to have masterminds um, back at the old brokerage. And, and in those masterminds, we had this exercise called uh, Why? Who Am I? And who am I is you answering these three questions. Who am I? What do I want? And what am I willing to do? 
And uh, I ran masterminds on those because those sound like really simple questions. But um, when you really spend time, like, what, who am I really? Dad, professional, husband, son. And, and what do I really want beyond the nice house and the financial stuff? Like, what do I really want to experience in my life? And what am I willing to do to get there, right? A really, a coach gave me this exercise and then I passed it on and used it in, in masterminds at the brokerage. Um, and, and I wrote those out and I have those at home and next to my affirmations, I read those and it takes me three minutes and 32 seconds to read through it. But I'll tell you, man, like that re-energizes me on the drama, the, the transactions, the blah, blah, blah. That's whatever the distraction is to, that takes me off of my identity of who I am and who I believe I was created to be. Because when I read that, just for a moment, man, like I read it, I'm standing up, I'm reading it out loud, and I'm looking at the paper, and you physiologically feel the cells in your body energize, mm. right? Just like you do when you take deep breaths, right? Robbins does this too, right? Take three, depth, three deep breaths or five deep breaths. You feel the, the oxygenization or mm. whatever that word is, right, to, in your body. And when your physiology is charged and your psychology is charged, dude. You'll be a force. Force. I so, love that. So this is a question we ask a lot of the top producers on our podcast. So what percentage would you say out of your day is prospecting as compared to actually working on the transaction? Yeah, so we prospect three to four hours a day. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Yep, so um, three hours of – it's either three hours of fresh prospecting and then a, an hour of follow-ups or four hours of fresh prospect, prospecting and then some follow-up. Mm-hmm. But pretty pretty regularly, that's what we do. Um, nice. Monday through Thursday. Friday is like a free day where I don't force them to uh, prospect. <laughs> hey, man, you don't got the business. You got to prospect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you doing? Yep. Like, and, and actually, at, at uh, you know, at, at the last brokerage that we were at, um, you know, there were people that I coached out of making phone calls because it didn't fit their personality. Mm. You know, uh, um, I had a, a, a lady once. She's like, she was prospecting fizzbells, and she was like, ready to have a mental breakdown. I'm like, look, stop, stop doing that. Mm-hmm. There's, there's only one common denominator in us being successful in real estate. How many people are you really talking to? Mm-hmm. Your sphere, networking internet lead, whatever, right? Whatever the lead source is. But at the bottom line, like how many people are you really talking to? And then how good are those conversations? So I coached her out of that. We talked about open houses and networking and and working her sphere. And dude, she's does very, very, very well for herself now. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I was just trying to figure out, uh, so I was looking at my business and I don't do cold calling, but you know, the last three, four days, I'm looking at my day and I'm like, wow, I do talk to a lot of people. You know, mm-hmm. 8 a.m., uh, Dad's Tacos. we got 15 people there, right? Mm-hmm. And then I've got... How often do you do that? Uh, every every week. Every week? Yeah, every Thursday. Yeah, wow. yeah. Wow. And, uh, and then we also have um, co- contractor meetup as well. There's, you know, there was uh, seven people there last night. And then also another meetup during the day. So I'm going to these meetups and I'm realizing, wow, I've talked to 75, 100 people just today, mm-hmm. you know? And that's... That's not even including my relationships, Facebook, my dad's group, my yep. my Instagram, you know, all yeah. those people that I'm talking to. And so really, it just, like you said, it comes down to how many conversations are you yeah. really having? It yeah. gets easy, especially when you get some business to kind of settle in and go, I'm good, right? Let off the gas. I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to yeah. keep casting a bigger net because your pipeline needs to be filled with, I mean, there's people in my pipeline who I know are buying mid next year. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. I still need to keep up with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, you know, but you got to fill the pipeline with with transactions. Because here's the thing: I need money next month, 
Yeah. I need money a year from right, now. Right. I need money five years from now. Right, right. So yeah. you got to keep filling the – and the way you do that is just conversations. Yeah. It's very simple. The, the, the challenge with that is is that um, we're creatures of habit, you know, and, and, um, and we're uh, – you know, look, we're inherently lazy. Like we'll mm. take the path of least resistance. Yeah. Right. So we need some sort of accountability. Right. Whether it's somebody that we're, you know, we're in partnership with or just and that's why coaching works so well for people that are open to it and willing to accept it, because it's not like it's, it's not a, even as it has to be as much as like, OK, here's the numbers I said I, I was going to do. And here's my numbers. It doesn't really have to be that that th- that's good. But really, you just showing up to the conversation and going, how uh, well, uh, here's what here's what happened last week. Mm-hmm. What's going on? I met a mil- I met a billionaire once, and he said, "Dude, I'm inherently lazy." Yeah. He said he sets up his day so that he has to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he sets without up- accountability. <laughs> we're li- look at look at Michael Jordan. Dude, he's fat now, right? I mean, he ain't fat, right? But like he, he don't look like the guy who was on the court. Yeah. Right. The, these guys, they retired. They don't have any accountability. Game over. Like they fall to their natural state. You see, with a, a, a athletes all the time, they gain a lot of weight. Or fair amount of weight. It's like, dude, you were freaking shredded before. Yo, Revis Island, uh, Daryl Revis in the in the NFL. He was at the uh, induction of the the Hall of Fame yeah. game. Yeah. And bro, I kid you not, I could hardly recognize him. And he's only been out of the league for a few le- yeah. or a few years. And I was like, whoa. And he was like trending online for it. No hate to him. Like I'm happy he's living his best life. But <laughs> yeah. But it was just to your point. Like you're sitting there going, you know, the accountability is what's different. We need it. It's the daily grind mm. is not there anymore. Anymore. Yeah, and you you again you go back into this uh, the non action taking version of yourself, right? And so I think scheduling is really important. Mm-hmm. You know, I notice that if I either involve another person mm-hmm. or if it's on my calendar, it mm-hmm. gets done. Yep. Yeah, because yeah. I'll make excuses with myself. Mm-hmm. I'll sit there and wake up and go, you know what? I could film tomorrow instead. Mm-hmm. You know. It's just me. Yeah. I'm not disappointing anybody. Yeah. But if I'm making an appointment with John to go do a walkthrough, I'm going to be there. Yeah. Because now I've got someone else involved and yeah. my reputation with that person or like the, the accountability aspect yeah. of it is, is different. Yeah. So I think you as a team leader, though, like if you had people under your team, you could, I mean, I don't know if you're already doing this, but having your two, two team members saying, hey, you keep this person accountable and y'all meet at a certain time. And so now it's not just one person. So I, I do one-on-ones with them weekly. Okay. Yeah. And then we have team meetings. And so, and uh, I have a very rigid system. They yeah. have to input their numbers. Mm-hmm. I have uh, software that's, that's tracking everything. Like you can't really escape. Like <laughs> there's no excuse why they make my contacts this week. That person's not on the team. That First of all, I can pretty easily vet people who, um, are, are that that won't happen but mm-hmm. uh, once they get there then either they they phase themselves out pretty quickly yeah or you know there's no way out like you have to make contacts and I, so I run a, rid- a more rigid Got system you. than most teams like where we're accounting for everything all the time yeah yeah and and they and, and, and here's the bottom line man these people don't have business so you need to be talking to as many people as you possibly can yep. I will easily coach somebody on my team not to make calls they all end up making calls because they see how efficient the system is that I created. Mm-hmm. But um, I would very easily somebody, somebody uh, coach somebody to uh, door knock mm-hmm. for three hours a day. That will work, by the way. Nobody does it because everybody has these stigmas in their head. Oh, it's too hot. Well, it's kind of weird. People come to the door. Oh, well, uh, you know, that's, I, I feel weird. It will work, man. You, all prospecting works, by the way. All of it. Mm-hmm. Like, how well do you work it 
what's your identity with it? Because there's all these stigmas people have worrying about like freaking junior high kids. What are the people are going to think about me? Dude, they don't care about you, <laughs> yeah. first of all. They won't think about you tomorrow. <laughs> right. I think it's also the value-driven piece that you're doing. Just like with cold calling, you have a value add to this person by having various ways to go about finding solutions. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing face-to-face. And I actually, you know, I'm, I feel like me personally, I'm more comfortable door knocking than I would be cold calling. And I think that's because, again, we, we talked about the, the face... Sure. I get to see the nonverbal. Yeah. I get to see see all this, but when I did door knocking, I, I did it from a place of value. It was right after the the freeze of of twenty twenty one, maybe mm-hmm. uh, happened, and so I made a, a magnet with uh, some some contacts, some emergency contacts for HVAC, plumbing, roofing, anything and everything that people needed. Mm-hmm. And I went to my neighbors, and I also had my business card printed on the bottom, just as the, that was the tag for me. And I would go up and I'd introduce myself and and ask them if they would like this free emergency contact thing. And it was great because people, it, it was a value add, and it wasn't me being like, "Hey, like I'm a realtor. Do you want this?" Yeah, you know. And, yeah. and so it's all about your approach. Yeah, it's your intention. In, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But the common den- denominator, just how many people do you really talk to? So the fact that you're not making cold calls is fine. But you're you're being super intentional and strategic about creating those conversations uh, at a greater level. If you want to grow, if you don't want to grow, it's fine. There's people that, you know, they they go along that organic growth and it works for them, or financially they're able to, to withstand that. That's fine. But coming back into business, move, having moved here, so I went to I got did well with uh, all of that with with real estate. The market shifted, and then um, I was doing short sales at a really heavy level when I did the 129 transactions. Mm-hmm. So I had to shift out of that and then recreate a new model. And you were still getting commissions off short sales, correct? Yeah, yep, yep. Huh. I did have an investor partner that worked with me. Um, so we created like a, a company that, that was working on short sales and providing consultation for people on foreclosures and um, a government refinance program that there was. And so um, we were providing a lot of value for people to come to us and to talk about that. But then when the market shifted and then the short sale foreclosure faucet kind of turned down, we're like, okay, this isn't going to work anymore. We need to shift gears. Mm-hmm. And so I did that for a couple years, shifting gears and refining my identity and doing a fair amount of business. And then, um, and then that's when I got recruited to come to Austin to be the team leader at the mm-hmm. Northwest Market Center for Keller Williams. And, uh, and it was a blessing because I got to work directly with a billionaire you know, Gary mm-hmm. owned uh, a couple of the market centers, and so I was with him. Like I was around all these small groups of mega producers, and I, you don't I don't think you know this, but when I'd stepped down from KW from the team leader position, uh, he actually one on one coached me for a few weeks. Oh wow! Yeah, it was awesome. That's very right. Cool. Yeah, you totally you get to yeah. hang out with a billionaire and him tell you what he thinks about what you're doing. That was fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have any eye opening things from that. Uh, we were on the same page vision-wise. He's like, look, I wouldn't do a big, fat team. I'd do a nice, uh, lean uh, Navy SEAL unit that mm. is highly skilled. Uh, and here's how to set it up. And that's what I was thinking. Yeah. And um, and that's what we're doing. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. Cool. Yeah. I have uh, a question that's a little bit of a sidebar. But when you were talking, it reminded me that you got to see that 2008, 2010 crash. Yeah. There's a lot of chatter out there right now. Yeah. A lot of people kind of comparing the two markets and trying to find similarities. My question to you as someone who went through that and worked through it and was boots on the ground, Mm -hmm. what's your take on what's going on now versus that, that time period? Because I saw on keeping currents or keeping matters current, 
I think that's I think keeping that, current matters. Okay, so I saw that on there that foreclosures or uh, the amount of mortgages that are in uh, potential for foreclosure are at an historic low, mm-hmm. which I think is very counter to a, what a lot of people are thinking is happening. Yeah. So what's your take on it? Yeah, my take is that this is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 08, 09 was a catastrophe. Really? I mean, it was, I was in Vegas, so Vegas was one of the epicenters, Arizona, Florida, California, a lot of the sunshine states, mm-hmm. specifically because of tourism. Uh, they were more susceptible mm. versus a lot of the other areas. I mean, Austin back at that time didn't experience much. It's so funny too because when um, the uh, the pandemic hit, I was still team leader, and people were like, you know, Austin's, uh, you know, Austin doesn't experience stuff like that. You know, we're we're not really susceptible to that. I'm like, look, you better pay attention because you are susceptible because Austin now is not what it was back in seven and eight, mm. nine. It was a different city. That's so. It was true. a total different city. Uh, the dynamics were completely different. But that, when that happened back then, that was such a, uh, r- really a, uh, a national emergency is really what it was. That's what was happening between Bush and Obama in the transition is that they were trying to figure out how to not let the economy collapse. That's not what's happening right now. Now what's happening is they're trying to mitigate damage and then figure out what to do by manipulating uh, uh, interest rates, which, yeah, they moved too fast with going up too fast, too far, too quickly. Yeah, that was stupid. Yeah, but doubling in a 12-month span, like, dumb, come on. right? And who knows? There's a lot bigger brains than me in f- to figure out why all that happened. But what's but the side effects of what's happening right now is not nearly as bad. We had correction in 2022 in Austin, Texas, but other places were experiencing different things. You know, Vegas, uh, the West, most parts of the West Coast and the East Coast have not experienced what we experienced here mm-hmm. in the last tw- 18 months, 24 months. So, so um we needed that correction based off of we were just doing this yeah. like all the way up, right? That's not realistic. And so there needed to be some correction and there was, uh, you know, 25 to 30% correction depending on the area in 2022, but 2021 and I thought or 2023 uh, we follow these numbers very very closely. January and February, we 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 flatlined. We, we flatlined. What I what I say a couple episodes ago, mm-hmm. I said February was the bottom because we've had nothing but month over month growth. In all the major categories since a- then, April, May, seven over seven percent across uh, Williamson and Travis County, up seven percent, mm. and over those two months, right? That's freaking ridiculous, by the way. So yeah. from, from what we experienced just prior to that, yeah. you were lucky to get seven percent in in an entire year, right? But when things were not crazy, right? June we flatlined. Uh, April, uh, March, April, May we flatlined. June we went. June we went, we went up two percent, and then July numbers just came out. Travis County flatlined again, and Williamson County actually dipped down five percent, according to Austin Board of Realtor numbers, and that's what we track month yeah. over month. We track yeah. that, and um, and so the correction, yeah, it sucks. But look, people, it sucked when we were, we were had to get clients to make fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollars over asking price. Yep. Okay, there was a three or four percent interest rate, but you had to pay to. I sold the property three hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars over asking price. It wasn't even a million-dollar property. When it sold, it was a million-dollar property. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't a million dollar pro- 300 and then uh, a month later i sell one for $212,000 over asking price that's ridiculous yeah that people is... think they want that 3% interest rate to come back right no you don't no you I don't i promise you don't no you know 5 would be pretty cool you know, in yeah. the, if we could just get back on the sixes, it, that I, would be all right. I think if we get to five, it's going to pop a lot. I think it'd be it really will. healthy. It would be healthy. Yeah. Because people still have the equity. 
you know, sellers, a lot of things is sellers are sitting on property because where am I going to go? Right. Why am I going to give up a house at 3% interest rate to go get into an 8% but interest rate house? Remember, we're seeing that through the lens of Austin. Yeah. Other areas yep. are not experiencing what we're experiencing. So they're like, no, we're good. Yep. We're, we're fine. Yep. We're fine. It doesn't need to go any. We can hang at seven. We're yep. good. Yep. There's still multiple offers happening. There's still over asking price yeah. bids happening. Yeah, I just sold one um, 25K over asking price, and we had six offers on one. And I'm like, what? what's going on here? Yeah. Like, you know, it was in Wimberley. Uh, and a lot of people like Wimberley. Apparently, I didn't know that. Uh, but I didn't know Wimberley had six sales to have. And, I know. That's, right. that's what I'm thinking. But, uh, yeah. We went, I love Wimberley. <laughs> but 25 k over asking price just last week. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I'll take it. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I so. think you just have to, you have to have conversations with people who are in it. You know, I think there's this, this, what you see either on the news or, or, you know, major media outlets is going to tell one side of a story. Yeah. And I think if that's where you're getting your sources from, you need to no. reconsider because as people who deal with it every single day, yeah, it, you're going to find out a different, more, more boots on the ground perspective from, yeah. from realtors. I, I say that every, uh, I do a mar a video market update and I send it out to everybody in the CRM and, um, and I say that every time on because you have these talking heads in California and I'm picking on California, right? But like anywhere but here, or maybe they're even here, but they're not really real estate professionals who are doing business every day. Yep. Like they don't really know. There's one guy I can't remember him out of Sacramento or Northern California, and I like him because he's a, he's a he's a stats nerd, right? And he's got all this data. But I'm looking at him and every month. I'm like, yeah, you really don't got it though, bro. You really don't really know what's going on here. Yep. You don't know. Like you're talking off of national data and off of chunked up data because uh, Dallas and Houston are different than Austin. They yeah. are. You know, it's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. And even with that data that they get, like you're not boots on ground. So you don't mm -hmm. really know what's happening here. And uh, and that would be the biggest challenge for people is to, is to um, they don't know what looks good or bad that could be good or bad. And so, so they just don't know. And so a lot of people get sucked into these fear-mongering people online that yep. are just spitting fear because they know it gets more views and more yep. clicks. Yeah. Yep. And, 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 uh, and the best thing you could really do is, is really interview an agent and like ask them, um, I was going to do something with this. I forgot what it was. I was going to do something in marketing about ask your realtor what their prospecting schedule is like. And if they have a confused look on their face, then they probably don't have a prospecting schedule <laughs> because we should be in some way, maybe not prospecting, right? But marketing, uh, like we should be doing something to try to sell our listings outside of just posting it on the multiple listing service. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. So, so, well, so many people got into the business when that's all you had to do. Right. And so they were like, Oh, this is a piece of cake to right. sell a property. Yeah. And what then, did you used to say? Uh, put a sign on the yard. Sign in the yard, uh, uh, and pray it sells or something. Yeah, yeah, like that. yeah. That was a that was a that was a KW thing. It was yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Put a sign in the yard. Put it on the MLS and pray that it sells. Yeah, something like <laughs> the that. three P's. The three right. P's. Yeah, right, right, right. So, sorry. Go ahead. No, uh, it's um, we were talking about uh, being able to sell the property. Yeah, there's so many people that just don't have any idea on what to really do. But so, are very loud with their opinions yeah, of what's yeah. going on. So so that's what I recommend for people to do is like vet like maybe you don't know the questions to ask, Google it, right? Like f ask more questions to find out what does your realtor really know and what are they doing? Because pretty quickly you're probably gonna vet out how 
uh, confident or comfortable or knowledgeable they are in something based off of the way that they respond. Isn't it amazing when someone's like, oh, yeah, my co- my second cousin twice removed is a realtor. Yeah. And you're like, cool. Like, what have their sales been like? In the yeah. Life? And they're like, oh, well, they actually haven't sold anything in six months. And you're like, yeah. who do you think is a better fit to sell your house yeah. right now, me or them? Yeah. You know, like, it, it's incredible. Like, the... the the mental uh, gymnastics behind like why people justify why they go with certain realtors. Yeah. Like don't be afraid to ask questions to the people that are going to be responsible for selling an, a a huge asset of yours. Yeah. And and think about this as from the agent side is that um, that's why I love doing expired withdrawals is because I'm the emergency responder. That's what's going on in my head. Right. And I've trained on this too, is like, who are you? Right. Who are you? I'm walking into a fire. This was, this is a bad situation. Something that was expected to happen didn't happen, and now time or money or both have been compromised. There's unhappy people here. So what does an emergency responder do when they show up to a scene? Unhappy people here. Okay, what does the emergency responder do? Freak out and start getting emotionally sucked into all this madness? No, they breathe, they use their equipment, and they assess the situation, they ask questions, and they save lives. And that's how I look at when I go in because the people that ultimately sign with me on expired withdrawals, dude, they are happy, happy, maybe the happiest clients I've ever had because I've saved them from this financial duress that they were experiencing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of people that don't want my business. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are going to go in another direction. That's fine. I'm playing the numbers. I understand that. I don't expect everybody to like me, but I'm going in and I'm helping people. And if I have the identity of, man, I really want to help people. And I know Mm -hmm. that based off of what I know, if I create better conversations and ask better questions, then whether it's cold calling or talking to somebody at an open house who says, oh, I'm working with a realtor. And you ask a few questions because you're supposed to do that. And you realize, man, they're kind of not real working with a realtor they may have gotten you know they're sending them an email from another open house that they visited two weeks ago then then you may be saving you may be the opportunity to get the dream house that that person is looking for or to not waste time and make multiple offers on properties that because their strategy is flawed or because of whatever and and you're the hero because we know 50 percent of realtors last year nar this many transactions none 50 percent Right, uh, um, the average realtor transaction he, count. He, he said this, so zero. not three, three, yeah. zero. zero, zero, zero. The 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 uh, uh, I don't know the number now. In the past, it was four. I think it creeped up to seven as far as the number of transactions the average realtor has done. So either you're talking to a realtor who's done nothing or very little in all likelihood. Mm-hmm. Right, wow. and yeah. so so ask these questions and get to know them and figure out like who am I really talking to, because. Uh, you could be spending a lot of time and ultimately uh, losing or out on money or losing out on an opportunity to like deal with the most significant investment of your life for, I love that. for most people. Hundred yeah. percent. So we're we're gonna start kind of winding down, running a little bit out uh, out of time. But I want to end with something that's really tactical: is people who are listening to this and now they're fired up, they want to go cold call. What kind of programs are there out there available? Is there one that you'd recommend uh, to get started, like an auto dialer? Or like, how do you find who you're going to call? What does that look like? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll tell you, uh, as far as tools, like we use Mojo, which is a triple line dialer. And we use Follow Up Boss, which integrates with Mojo, which is the main reason we use it. But, um, 
you know, any the best CRM is the one that you use. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I don't really have preference because there's other auto dialers out there. I just like Mojo because it's a triple line dialer, and they've been very flexible with development and improving their um, their tools that they use. They've been very, very progressive with that. For those who don't know, what is a triple line dialer? So it's a it's a dialer basically that dials three lines at once and um, allows you to uh, to just get through the data faster. And we so all, you're covering a lot more potential yeah, numbers in a shorter yeah, amount of time. Yeah, and we don't use any robo dialing or or, or like. Uh, AI. Uh, no, no, we don't do anything like that, like fake conversations or anything. Mm-hmm. It's all voice-to-voice uh, connections. It's just when you deal with some of that circle prospecting, you're dealing with so much data, uh, you have to get – it'll just take you forever to get through it. Mm-hmm. People just don't pick up. The average pickup rate is you know, hanging around 15% on a good day. I wow. believe it. So that's a lot of data where and people just, just don't pick, pick up. up. That's just a pick-up. Wow. That's not even, yeah, that's not that's even, even like, no, no, no. <laughs> so, but uh, look, a uh, great coach told me once is that, look, the people who get paid the most money are the people who are able to master repetitious boredom. Mm. Wow. That's stuff that's that people so don't want to do, man. Mm-hmm. They don't want to do it. Nobody wants to sit there and, but look, nobody else, nobody wants to spend a boatload of money either on the marketing thing. So what are you going to do? Like yeah. you're going to have to spend a lot of money and then still talk to people and have a have a uh, conversion rate like this or you're going to have to go out and create the conversations and mm-hmm. understand that there's still a numbers analyzer to run on 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 conversations to contracts. Yeah. I feel like if your business isn't isn't booming right now or if you're uncomfortable with where your production's at, what better way than to go out and just start conversations with Prospect, people? Prospect, man. And it's whether it's the way John does it, which is events, networking, yeah. meeting up with people, or if it's cold calling, just talk to more people. It's the name of the game. It's how you're going to survive yeah. the highs and lows of real estate. Yeah, yeah. You got a prospect, man. If you're not, you know who said this too is a, a lord. You wouldn't expect it, right? And it's funny as you network and you become. Um, and you, you become friends with, with people in the business or like-minded people who are trying to grow, being intentional about growing their business. Lori Flood, she's like, you know what this business is all about? I'm like, what? Because I used to consult with her, right? And she's like, lead generation. I'm like, dang. Lori Flood is like the, you think she's like the uh, open house queen or the neighborhood queen yeah. and, you know, and uh, we and almost she's bought like, a house lead with her before I became an agent. Before I became an she's agent, great, we almost man. worked with her. Yeah. She's an amazing agent. <laughs> she's great. awesome. But on the material or like direction to go, there's really um, not a, a ton out there. It may look like there is um, for prospecting. Honestly, um, and I get no, I get no compensation out of this at all. I would seriously say my, my YouTube channel is the best out there and, and I've, it is completely organic. Like I have not been intentional at all about building it. And one day I will, cause with, with KW it was about building the, you know, building the business there. Mm-hmm. Now I'm setting the foundation for what I'm doing and, and that'll, I'm going to spend probably a good couple of years doing that. And then, uh, and then I'm going to probably in the next 20, 18 to 24 to 36 months, I'll go back to, to the real sales talk platform and like format it and sell it because, um, people are selling antiquated packaged canned sales training programs that are just ripped off from somebody else. Mm -hmm. And they're just, they're just, uh, they're water ski programs, right? They're on the top. Mm -hmm. Real sales talk is a scuba dive on the psychology. Like, who are you? What's going on? What tools allow me to comfortably and naturally uh, explore conversations? Because it can be cold calling or it could be networking or whatever. It doesn't matter. The form doesn't matter. What matters is how many people are you talking to and how good are your conversations. So quantity, quality, yeah, I'll take. And the goal is for the guys that are right now focused on 
quantity, but even this morning, I'm like, hey, you guys, the goal is quality for you to get to where I'm at, where I only yep. need to talk with 10, 12 people. Mm-hmm. I got stuff going. Yeah. You got to talk to 50 people because you suck. Yeah. So, so, so <laughs> you, yeah. The, the, the point is don't suck. <laughs> so if you suck quantity, if you're not, if you, <laughs> and, and here's the thing, everybody sucks at the beginning. That's true. Yeah. Everybody. So, and, uh, you know, Darren Hardy said this on, a, um, the hero's journey program I did is, uh, he said, uh, embrace the suck. You're going to do something new. Anything you do new, you're going to suck at it. Embrace it. Learn. You'll get better. And then things will work themselves out. I love it. So any, it go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Any last words? This, so any great pieces of advice that you would uh, tell newer agents? Uh, although this entire episode was yeah, amazing. This, is, this has been an entire episode <laughs> of, of fantastic advice. advice. Yeah, yeah. But if you had one thing to say, what would you say? I'd say... Um, have really it's about um understanding who you are you know i I think that theme today has run pretty deep on Mm -hmm. on figuring out and and i know that that's such a like esoteric existential like thing to say but like and 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 i think it's a journey that we're all on our whole lives is understanding who we are Mm -hmm. you know who we are from our parents who we are in our faith who we are in our professions and our relationships and um and I think that with our business, if we if we if we get clarity and we and we reinforce our identity and who we want to be, maybe we're not there yet, but but it's we with affirmations, right? It's not a lie to me because I'm I'm working towards it every day and I'm trying to be in that every day. Is that you're using affirmations or or something that you watch or something that you read or listen to to reinforce who you want to be, because once you get there then all these other things start falling in, into alignment with who you are. Like, okay, well, I'm a little bit more comfortable. I, uh, uh, um, uh, my mindset is strong all day long. Um, uh, uh, I'm a powerful communicator. Uh, I, create, uh, I create conversations of value, right? Like all these affirmations that we used to say in Power Hour to like get it into your guys' heads. Like, dude, Con- condition yourself to it's think It's okay. That like what you're doing right now is Okay. It's okay to talk to people and get to know them without an agenda to just see if there's an opportunity to help them. Mm-hmm. It's okay. So do something do, do something more, be intentional, have some accountability to grow into who you are and who you want to be. And the rest will kind of take care of itself. This is such a, a fantastic episode. This is such a value-packed episode. I, I hope you've the listeners have taken this to heart. I mean, I'm freaking fired up right now. I'm Let's go call. prospect right now. We're going to prospect. <laughs> the the prospecting king himself, Polly Campanera. Where can people find you online? Yeah, so uh, Austin, Texas, uh, Home Solutions is my website. Um, but for all the realtors, uh, for sure, the uh, Real Sales Talk, Real Sales Talk YouTube channel, is where is all the content. All my content is uh, packaged up in the playlists. Uh, I also offer uh, the playbook, which is the mindset strategies and skills and scripts that got me to 129 transactions in my fourth year. And, uh, they can email me, uh, uh, the real sales talk at gmail.com, the real sales talk at gmail.com. And I, that's free. I don't, I don't, I don't ask for anything for that. A lot uh, of our listeners are on Instagram. Do you have Instagram? Yeah. Uh, coach policy. Okay. Awesome. Yep. Coach policy on Instagram. And, uh, that's where all the good content is on getting in alignment with like who you are as, as a communicator. I won't even say prospector, right? Because there's a stigma even around that, right? Yeah. Like we're communicators. Mm. God created us to communicate with each other, to talk to each other. Mm-hmm. I love it, John. Where can people find you, buddy? 
at John Michael Perez on Instagram and pretty much everywhere else. Before we sign off, I just want to give a quick shout out to some of the people that have been having really great conversations recently. Uh, Nick in Nevada, Jameson in Nashville, Fernando in Houston, Josh in Alabama, and Ethan in Austin. Thank you guys so much for reaching out, for uh, telling us about the value that you're receiving from this. There's many more of you, but quick shout out to, to you gentlemen. At Jordan Sells ATX on all major social media. Fantastic episode. Polly, thank you so cool, much man. for joining Thanks for us. Having me. Guys, go be great in your local market. We'll catch you in the next one. Awesome.